Good morning, everybody. My name is Elliot Voris. I'm the student minister here at Wildwood Christian Church, and I'm so grateful that you've joined us this morning for our worship service, or this afternoon, or evening, or the middle of the night, whatever time you're watching this, I'm so thankful and glad that we were able to connect and meet even when we need to be in separate locations. So thank you for being here. If you haven't already, go ahead and, and put your name over here in the chat or send us a text message. Let us know that you're engaged. Let us know that you're here and that you're with us. Life doesn't always turn out the way we planned does it? I think there are a lot of things about the month of April that would prove that for so many of us. I didn't plan to be home within these walls 24-7. I didn't plan on telling my three-year-old every 20 minutes that she can't have a snack from the pantry. I didn't plan on asking so frequently, what day is it? Much less, what month is it? I didn't plan on getting addicted to Tiger King. And if you know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, try your best to forget that I ever said the words Tiger King. Tiger King, Tiger King, streaming on Netflix, don't watch it. I didn't plan on having to pull my wife away from TikTok so many times each day. A couple of years back, our team of volunteers for our student ministry were taking a group of high schoolers to our annual summer camp on the beach. It's called Big Stuff. And for whatever reason, the this particular year, the bus that they sent us wasn't up to the challenge. And shortly after the bus drivers made the swap in the middle of the night, we were crawling down the interstate. That is a scary place to be. We made it off finally, and we, uh, we invaded this poor gas station in the middle of the night. I still feel bad for those poor night shift workers as the students who are wide awake by this point are invading and, and, and raiding the snacks, using the bathrooms, playing football in the parking lot. It was insane. The bus driver is calling dispatch. I'm making phone calls, talking to our leaders, and everybody is just trying to figure out what can we do to get us towards the next step. I mean, we know camp's gonna be awesome. We just gotta get there. Dispatch comes up with a bus mechanic that's just a little bit further towards Nashville, where we were gonna be heading anyway. So after hours in this parking lot, we pull out and the dispatch company has gotten us to the front of the line for this mechanic first thing in the morning. And luckily, there is a Hardee's across the street from the mechanic. So at five in the morning, we unload and descend on this poor Hardee's like a swarm of locusts and we're piling in the door. It was open for some reason already. We're piling in the door. We explain the situation and they are kind enough and generous and gracious enough to let us hang out and wait for whatever it is that's next. They even, actually the Hardy's employees defended us and stood up for us when uh, some of the more well-aged patrons 
were getting a little bit frustrated that so many young students had invaded their personal space. And we sat in that Hardee's and we sat and we ate breakfast and we sat and we laid down and we walked around and we explored the parking lot and we were there for nearly six hours. It was a living nightmare. Things were just not working out the way they were supposed to. So I've got a question for you and, and I wanna quickly give you an opportunity to share your story, whether that's with people that you are in person watching this with, or if you wanna share it in the chat over there. I wanna ask you, when have things not gone according to plan for you? Go ahead, take a few seconds, share that either online or in person. I'll wait right here. All right, are you done? Because I'm gonna keep moving anyway. Life doesn't always work out the way we want it to. Sometimes out of nowhere, we are thrown a curveball, and we can quickly find ourselves in a situation that we certainly didn't ask for and we definitely didn't want to be in. Maybe that's you today. And we've been talking through the last couple of weeks in this series about navigating the challenging seasons of life. When there's fear and anxiety, and we are asking ourselves questions, asking ourselves what is it that can move us out of this fear, out of this anxiety, into a place of deeper, more abiding, more steady faith. We've talked about how a lot of our faith journeys can be kind of summarized in, in, in three phases. You've got the confident faith, the, the challenged faith, and the living faith. And that first phase of confident faith is maybe when you first uh, got to know Jesus. Everything was new and exciting and things were just awesome. Your prayers seemed to be answered lickety-split generosity and, and gratitude and everything was just fresh and a new way of looking at the world. That's the first phase. And then there's the, the last phase, the living faith. And I think that's the one that many of us want to be at. Many of us want to be at this place where our faith is, is lasting and established and abiding and it doesn't depend on what's going on around us, our external circumstances. That living faith is what many of us are reaching for. And I think many of us ask ourselves the questions, how do we make it from this confident faith to the living faith? How do I get to that point? And I think that's where the middle phase is. This challenged faith is very different than the confident faith. It's when our prayers seem like they're either not answered or just not even heard. Things don't seem to be happening in response uh, to your prayers or your faithfulness or your obedience. And God seems distant or even maybe not present at all. And I think that middle phase, the challenged faith, is what can move us 
closer towards the living faith that so many of us want. And for a lot of us, myself included, I think, this phase of life, this season, is a challenged phase of life. And we are wrestling with things and questioning and we're asking ourselves, how are we going to respond to this COVID-19 crisis? How are we going to get through the fear, anxiety, desperation, separation, isolation, and all the unknowns and all the confusion that's out there? Here's why this matters. How we respond to this season of challenged faith is really, really important. Because the response we have, the response we give it, could determine whether we get to that living faith phase. Whether or not our faith grows and becomes that faith that sticks no matter what. We've been tracking for the last couple of weeks with the story of Moses as he is leading the Israelites out of slavery and into the promised land. And during this journey, they take a long and dangerous detour through the desert. It's a very challenging season for their faith. The desert is not where they expected to be in this time. I mean, so much for being rescued by God. We're coming in here at the end of the story today. If you've ever opened a book and flipped to the last chapter to see if the book was any good or not, and if you wanted to read the rest of it, that's what we're doing today. We're going to come into the end of the story where Moses has led the Israelites through the desert for 40 years. 40 years. That's like one and a third of my lifetimes. Just imagine wandering through the desert for that length of time. I think in St. Louis County, we've been underneath uh, a stay-at-home order for something like six weeks now. And even before that, there were some pretty severe restrictions on group and gathering sizes already. And I don't know about you, but it sure feels like this has been 40 years rather than merely a matter of weeks. After 40 years in the desert, Israel is about to enter this promised land. They've been looking forward to this moment for generations, and it is finally here. And here's what happens. Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed Pisgah Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead as far as Dan and all the land of Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the land that I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said I will give it to your descendants. Just imagine Moses' feelings there. Finally able to see the land that he had been leading all these people toward. They finally made it here. He's got this amazing view that stretches as far as the eye can see. It is breathtaking. And he is soaking it all in. And then God says this, I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. Wait, what? That's not how this was supposed to go. He's come all this way, put up with all the nonsense from the Israelites, and then he doesn't even get to go in? That's not how he pictured this moment. And this part of the story is, is tough for me. 
And I think that's because I don't like it when my plans get disrupted. I don't like it when my life doesn't go according to my design. What about you? What desert experience are you struggling with? What are you trying to make sense of in this world? What's the situation that you never asked for, never wanted? Maybe it's this. Maybe it's the coronavirus uh, situation that we find ourselves in the middle of. And now just everything seems so uncertain. So here's what I want you to do. Get a piece of paper, get a pen, if you don't already have one, and write down what that is. Write down the desert that you're going through. Write down the challenge that you're facing. The fear, the anxiety, the pain, the suffering that you're enduring. And as I think of Moses sitting on that mountaintop, it seems so unfair. After everything he endured, after all the pain, the suffering, putting himself out there, putting his own neck on the line, after all of that, he doesn't even get to experience the blessing on the other side of it. That bugs me. And I think it bugs me because it makes me ask questions of myself that I'd rather pretend didn't exist. Like, what if I find myself in Moses's shoes, or sandals, as it were? What if I'm never delivered from my fears and anxieties and the pain, the suffering that I'm going through? What if I don't get what I long for and pray for? What if on the other side of this challenging season isn't the happy end that I'm writing in my head? What then? I think those questions haunt me and probably many of you because they stick with us if we don't get an answer. And they point to a deeper, more unsettling question. Why do we suffer? And that deeper question, that question can be a recurring theme of our challenges, could be the hardest part even. Not understanding the why can make the challenge that much worse. Have you found yourself asking God why? And I'm not trying to say that to shame you. I, I would put money down that all of us have asked God that in the past few weeks. That includes myself. And to be entirely honest, it's not the first time I've asked that. And it won't be the last time. This is one of those areas that I really struggle to find a satisfying answer. There's a couple of things when this question pops up that people usually throw out in response to it. Sometimes they say we suffer because of our own poor decisions. And yeah, that's true. Sometimes we suffer because of other people's poor choices. Yeah, that's also true. But sometimes we suffer just because that's the way it is. Sometimes there is no good explanation for the suffering. There's no answer to the why question. A lot of people will try to provide an answer to that. A lot of people will use logic, reason, or well-worded cliches. But they don't ultimately help with the pain. And when I see or experience the suffering in my own life or in the world around me, there's sometimes just no calming the disruption that comes inside. And I want to be honest and straightforward with you. I can't 
give you a reason for the suffering you've experienced. I don't think anybody can. Sometimes there just isn't an answer to why. But I'm convinced that there's a more important question that we should be asking. Not why does suffering happen? Not why do, not why do we suffer? But how will we respond to that suffering? In the book, Man's Search for Meaning, uh, respected and, and known psychologist Viktor Frankl tells the story of his experiences in World War II inside several concentration camps. He had to endure forced labor, beatings, brutality, starvation, and he had to always contend with the fear of the gas chambers. And through this horrific experience, Frankel noticed that there was one thing that could never be taken away from a person. Regardless, in the midst of the worst suffering imaginable, there was one thing that could always remain. And he recalls people who would go through the, the huts and the living quarters and comfort people, comfort other people, even giving away their last portion of bread. And he says those people offered proof that everything could be taken away from a person except for one thing, what he calls the last of human freedoms, the ability to choose one's own way. Here's how he puts it. Suffering in and of itself is meaningless. We give our suffering meaning by the way in which we respond to it. Forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess except one thing, your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. Suffering in and of itself is meaningless. Maybe those are words we should hold on to. Next time someone tells you everything happens for a reason, or they describe the footprints in the sand, or maybe next time if we're tempted to offer those same comforting words. Too often, there is no satisfying answer to the question of why do we suffer. But we can and should give our pain and suffering and fears and anxieties meaning by how we respond to them. And here's what I want you to take home, which is convenient because you're already there. Even if we don't know why we face a challenge, we can always choose how we respond. I'll say that again. Even if we don't know why we face a challenge, we can always choose how we respond. I don't know what it is that you're going through today. Look back at what you wrote down earlier. Some of us might be suffering from something physical. Some of us are carrying around the pain of a broken relationship. Some of us might be feeling the sting of our own poor choices, and some of us are feeling the sting of the poor choice that others have placed upon us. Maybe you're someone who is just overwhelmed with loneliness, or you're just trying to hold on to the shattered pieces of a broken dream. Whatever it is you're facing, I'm afraid I can't give you an answer to the question why. I truly wish I could though, but perhaps we can encourage each other in the midst of it. 
And maybe we can help one another make better, more intentional choices about how we will respond. And I want to suggest uh, two options. But first, I have to take you downstairs. So we are downstairs in our very messy but very fun basement playroom. And my kids, our whole family really, loves building with Lego bricks. And I've been building with them since I was a kid. And I've tried my very best to pass it on to my little ones. And even though I've stepped on plenty of bricks in the middle of the night, I have no regrets. And I love to watch them build because they all have really different and distinct, unique styles of building. Journey loves to build houses and scenes and act out really imaginative adventures with her minifigures. Boston loves to use wheels and gears and other kinds of things to build machines and, and robots and cars and all kinds of really cool, like, dude stuff. Lennox here is really, really passionate about building tall, tall towers, and she is good at it too. And I love watching them build because they all have such a different way of doing it, but they all are right ways of doing it. There's no wrong way to build. There's no wrong way to play Lego. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution. And, and that's how it is with our response to suffering as well. So these, these two options, these two ideas, these two suggestions are just that. They're suggestions. They're not commands. They're not exhaustive. There's some people that may benefit more from one rather than the other. But my hope and prayer is that maybe you give one a shot and maybe it helps you take another step towards that living faith that we're after. First, we can choose to let suffering transform us. Some people choose to suffer, did you know this, for the sole purpose of transformation? If you are a runner, you know that's true. If you like to exercise, you know that's true. Not me, no thank you. Some people fast from food or other things just to develop a deeper faith. We all have heard stories of people donating their kidneys or parts of their livers so that another person or maybe even a family member can live. Usually we're okay with suffering that we choose. We even like the transformation that it can bring about. But un unwanted suffering, on the other hand, that's trickier. But it has the power to transform us just as much, maybe even more. It can sharpen our, our character, it can transform our values, and it can make us more like Jesus. In fact, Jesus' own brother writes this. James 1, 2-4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If we allow God to transform us through this difficult season of challenged faith, we may just find ourselves moving more towards that living faith. And we may discover that it's growing inside us. This faith that doesn't depend on outward circumstances. Will you choose to let suffering transform you? 
Second, we can choose to let suffering remind us of the bigger story. Moses doesn't actually die a failure. He's actually regarded and remembered as a hero. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. Those would be some words that I'd love on my tombstone. I don't know about you. His life wasn't a failure. His suffering was not meaningless. Moses played a huge role in the story God was telling about how he was going to bring humanity back to himself. And you and I do too. We all have a role to play in God's big story. We have different parts, sure, but we're all part of the same journey. What you're going through now might be just what is needed to prepare you for what you're going to do, the part you're going to play. And if you let him, God will use your pain, even in the midst of this pandemic, to write a story that is bigger and more extravagant and more amazing than we could ever imagine. One of our church members has been so caught up with compassion and kindness for our friends over at Love the Loo. And she has gone more than once, door to door to door, collecting donated food and school supplies and other things so that some of the most vulnerable people in our city will be able to make it through this season, this unprecedented moment in history. And she is choosing to be reminded of the bigger story that's beyond herself. And she's letting Jesus work through her to help others find him. And that Jesus is the one who this is all about. He's the one who went through unimaginable and undeserved suffering and even conquered death so that we could be certain how the bigger story ends. So what's your desert? What are you going through? And will you choose to let suffering transform you? Will you let that suffering remind you of God's big story and what he's up to? Let's pray. God, you are so good. And even in the midst of this unprecedented and unknown uh, situation we find ourselves in, we can confidently say that you win the day that you are the one who has overcome and is overcoming and will overcome. Father, help us to see what you're doing in the middle of all this. Help us to see how we can be transformed and how we can transform this world through the pain, through the suffering that we may experience. And help us to comfort those and encourage those who are experiencing pain, suffering, fear, anxiety. Father, give us another step to take towards a living faith. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.